Yes, sir. And welcome to the road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of Road to Damascus. I want to say what's up to you. I'm your host, Brock Hendricks. <laughs> yeah, the funny guy, because I'm a funny guy. I don't give myself a round of applause. I get a round of applause for my co-host. But before we start, I want to do what I do every week. I just want to tell you where you can reach us or find us. You can find us at Road to Damascus. That's Road the number two, Damascus, on Instagram as well as Twitter. Or you can reach out to us uh, by through email at Road to Damascus. That's Road the number two, Damascus, at iCloud.com. We would love to hear any feedback, any show suggestions, topics you would like to hear about and also uh, when you subscribe you can subscribe on either spotify apple music or anywhere else you can find podcasts make sure you subscribe and become uh, uh and leave a comment and just talk about how great the show is all the little comments help i know we get individual comments from people but we would love to hear from you all so without further ado let me introduce the people that always help this show go with me we got a full roster today so i can't make fun of anybody so I'm going to say what's up to the person who was absent the last time. What's up, Lolo? How you doing? Yeah, so I'm <laughs> hey, we missed you, Lolo. Don't worry. We missed you. I want to say what's up to the one and only rabbi. Hello, Shonda. How are you? I am good. Hello, everybody. And of course, my man, man's the guy who's always with me. My boy, Steph. Say what up. What up, dog? All right. All right. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for being here today. So we have an interesting topic today, and it was a topic that Lauren came up with. So I'm going to let her introduce it, and then we're going to dive right into this thing. Go for it, Lo. Okay. So the topic for today, generational curses. She gave us a little uh, dramatic pause there. Right, right. <laughs> like, today, actual curses or things we invite in ourselves. Generational curses, are they actual things or things we invite in ourselves? It's going to be a heavy one today, but we're going to help you lighten that load, Lauren. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, we're going to start with the, the the pontificator who always pontificates for us, and that's you, Rabbi. So go ahead. We'll start with you. Well, um, okay. I thought, about, I thought about this topic, and um, I kind of played around with it a little bit. That's because I'm not actually sure that there are generational curses. Okay, I'm, I'm not really sure, and I'm, we'll get into that as we get into the show. So I just said generational curses versus generational choices. So um, let's just see what happens with the show. Okay, okay, you're going you're gonna to give us a dramatic pause there, too. <laughs> Tune in next week. Um, before, since Lowe started the topic, we're going to go with you, Steph. What do you okay. think? Definitely is generational curses. Sorry. Definitely. 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 Okay. Just like you got generational blessings, you got generational curses. Generational blessings are the ones that, you know, we inherit if it's like our family, construction, right? Construction was up for the for the grabs, whoever wanted it. Um, but it had to be exploited. Generational curses are the exact same way. They are there and they have to be exploited. Some of them are innate and then some of them are actually um you know, pounded in by people around us that haven't um, been able to break those those cycles. Okay. 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 
All right. It's going to be interesting. We're going to see where this goes. It's going to be interesting. Oh, okay, Lo, what are, what are you thinking? So I feel two-sided about it. Um, to piggyback on what Stefan said, I absolutely believe that there can be things, good things and bad things, that can pass on through a generation. But I am big on saying that these are learned behaviors. Somebody had to teach you that in order for you to do it, right? Or you had to see that in order for you to even get that that seed planted. So that's how I feel about it. I, I think that it, it goes both ways. Okay, so to give my, I believe in generational sin, not generational curses. Um, and we'll dive in a little bit deep into this because I believe that every curse came from the original curse, which was with Adam and Eve. That was the original curse that none of us will ever be able to run from um, unless until, you know, through grace, through Christ Jesus. But what we deal with fleshly all comes from the original curse. Now, I know we probably going to go around and get a scripture about generational curses. I'm pretty sure that's on somebody's docket written down. But I believe just like characteristics of when you're born, you might look more like your mother, more like your father, you more like they side, more like that side, characteristics, psychology. I believe in those things. And so to me, it's like a family might have, as my uh, favorite Noel Jones would say, a proclivity, proclivity. That, <laughs> yes. that runs within that family. But I don't believe that that is a generational curse. So we'll dive into it. So the first question that I had to um, start with with that is, and based on even everybody's, you know, because sometimes I change the question up. But we'll start with what I just brought up, Adam and Eve. That was the original curse, right? So um, what's the scripture? Is it in Exodus that talks about um, generational curses, I believe? Exodus 34 and 7, e that um, the iniquity of the fathers is passed on to the children and their children's children, even into the fourth generation. Right. So, yeah. So we know about that. So that's where it comes from. So the question then becomes, are we still believing, operating from a show we did before on the Old Testament principle, or are we walking now in the New Testament of grace? So I'll start with you, Lo. Well, we know that we were born in sin, right? All Correct. of us know we were born in sin. Listeners, we were born in sin. Now. I was born in a hospital, but. <laughs> but in that hospital, sin was in you, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, Law. I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. So, with us being born in sin, and when Jesus came, we knew that we were redeemed. We knew that everything that we had did in the past was washed away. Now, I was reading this article, and in the article it says that Scripture communicates consequences, not curses, right? So when you read the Bible, the Bible, you don't hear about, oh, you, you'll hear, okay, you, you're cursed, your family will be cursed, but you, you see an action done, and then you hear about the consequence. So that makes me go back to saying, like you said, is it a decision? Because... We know that everybody has free will. So you can choose to either do things the right way or the wrong way. You can choose to go by what you see or what you know. So I absolutely think that 
when people talk about generational curses, we don't ever talk about the fact that, yes, we were born in sin. Yes, our ancestors and people before us, they did things. But when Jesus came, those things were washed away. So we had a fresh slate to do something different if we chose to do so. Okay, okay. And before I go to you, Rabbi, I just want to, I'm going to do one of your moves. So I went to Merriman Webster <laughs> and I looked up the definition of curse. Okay. And we had to get down to the third definition, which was something that is cursed or cursed. I will make this city a curse to all nations, Jeremiah 26 and 6. King James Version. Now, that was in the definition in Miriam. So they gave that as an example. The first definition for curse was a prayer or invocation for harm or injury to come upon one. People believe that there is a curse on their house, i.e. So that says people believe there is a curse on their house. So Lauren, that kind of that first definition would back up what Lauren said about it being a choice because you believe our house has a curse upon it. So what do you go ahead? I, I agree with Lauren. I think that the curses that are spoken of in the Bible appear to be more like consequences for disobedience towards God, you know, not um, an actual curse. Um, by the same token, I think we have to be careful when we talk about generational curses um, so that we aren't promoting or implying victimhood where people feel helpless to change their circumstances. So I think it kind of robs people of accountability for their actions. You know, you may, when you make a choice, you choose the consequences. Um, will it affect your kids? I don't know. Um, when you go to the doctor, they ask you about your family history. You know why? Because it's important. And it's important because if your mother or your father had certain illnesses, you lived with them. You were in the same environment. So chances are you had those same patterns which would result in the same illnesses. It's not a curse. It's socioeconomic. It could be where you live. It could be poverty. Maybe you live in the place where a salad is $9, but a double cheeseburger is 99 cents. And if you have to make those kind of choices, then there are consequences that you have later on. doesn't implicate a curse. You still have some responsibility. Um, so, yeah, I still think you got so some decisions what, to make. So, so what you're saying is that you don't, wanted to that you believe that there can be choices and Absolutely. that we you don't want people to then say well I'm not accountable for that that's why I I'm, I'm fat because right it's generational right my mama was fat my grandmother's fat it was just I'm predisposed to being fat and maybe that's the case or big boned you know yo, let me tell you something about bones okay <laughs> Bones are only going to be so big. Your bones don't make your pants fit like that. You know, they just don't. So, you know, we honest around the table. Right. You know, right. I'm not skinny by any means. You know right. what I mean? I represent for the big girls, but take some responsibility in that. Absolutely. I didn't get this size watching other people eat, and you didn't either. You know, you have to have some onus on what's happening in your life. And I think we make people lazy and unaccountable. And you can cop out by saying, oh, it's just a generational curse. No, you need to choose something different. Absolutely. Steph? <clears throat> All right, so I believe, uh, I agree with what you guys are saying. I think maybe sometimes we get mixed up with just in the word curse. Right. You know, when somebody thinks about a curse, they think about like this black plague or whatever. It just comes around and it's something that actually you can't escape from. 
generational curses is an, a, a sentence. It's more so like an innate sense in your bloodline. Uh, I put it like this. I'll say a story. You know, I like my stories, all right? <laughs> when I was younger, kindergarten, I've never seen anything sexual ever, right? I'm wondering why I'm in school and I'm seeing a little girl. We're the same age. We're back behind the clothes or the, the hangers. I'm small enough to fit back there at the time. <laughs> and we're back there playing house. I want to see this. I'm pulling my pants down. She's pulling her pants down. I'm looking, and I don't even know why. I like just looking, right? Right. So now as I get older, I'm hearing my uncles, my cousins, and they're ten- they're saying things that, you know, that actually take to my liking. Right. Now, I've, I've never, uh, I didn't act on anything at the time, but they're they're teaching me. And I'm listening because I like what I hear. Mm-hmm. And so I can say for certain things, unless it is broken, right, it becomes an issue. A generational curse requires fertile ground, has to be cultivated. When somebody, when somebody uh, um, is constantly talking about it and telling you something, then you start to act on it. Once you begin to act on it, it begins to build. Those things need to be broken. So until you become that generation that says, you know what, no. We're not going to do this. We're not going to teach our sons and our daughters the stuff that we were taught to say, oh, it's okay to do this. Yeah, you looking at it, man, do you see that? Look at that right there. <laughs> nah, you got to break it. And then it begins to be an area to where you can glorify God in. It, God was nowhere around that. So when God is nowhere around, you it becomes fertile ground for the enemy to be able to instill. Right, so we talk about generational curses. A lot of that stuff is innate things within that personality of one person. All it takes is one person to start something like that. Then it begins to build. It's like a snowball. Snowball never stops us if it's going down a mountain. It's steep. It just constantly builds and gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it hits somewhere to where it gets some friction. Then it stops. Every generation, if every generation is a slippery slope, it gets no friction. But if that one generation becomes that 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 spot in that mountain to where that 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 snowball encounters some friction and the friction meaning ap- applying God to our lives and saying you know what this needs to be broken I'm seeing that this is an issue this was this was an issue with my uncles this is, was an issue with my brothers this was an issue with the generations before me and then they even talked about it, the generations before that it's got to be something you know they they people pass down um thrones all the time you go to another country and it was somebody that was a prince or they can they can date back and find out oh my, my dad was the king or the duke or- yeah the duke or whatever it constantly goes down generationally right just like i talked about generational blessings because we can glorify generational blessings generational blessings is in our family we knew about god early on God was instilled in this very early on. You want to have a relationship with God? You would have anybody around that would talk to you about God constantly, right? Then that allowed us to develop our own relationship with God. That didn't That didn't really, it only invited us to God, but it was fertile ground for God to be able to come in into our own lives as we, you know, kind of pursued him on our own level. So in that exact same breath, that generational curse or those areas, require fertile ground and it's more so innate senses within us that says, you know what? I like this. I want to be a part of this. And you say, no, you got to break those. So I think in that exact same breath, we have to talk about it in order to remove those areas. So just proved mm -hmm. my point. Mm -hmm. 
that you see it, you really have to accept this pattern of behavior and continue it. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's it's a choice. It's a choice. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not yeah, a no, sentence. No, for no, sure. but, I agree. But so a couple things you say, and I'm just using, so like we're mm-hmm. brothers. Mm-hmm. So we grew up hearing the same thing. You said you saw the young lady you put on your pants, she put on her pants. And then your uncles then reinforced something that you already were curious and liked. Tell me a similar story. I know you right. got one. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm just saying it was a, it, but you start to see that it's a proclivity right. that is within the males in your family. I wouldn't call that a curse. I think we, that is a, that is a, 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 a thing of seeing where it's like, your like you become promiscuous or, Go ahead, Lo. You <laughs> go ahead. I'm, I don't want to cut. No, go ahead. All right. So let me just. But you you become a, a promiscuous spirit. Is a you know I'm looking at it more like a spirit that might. So like alcoholism. Mm-hmm. You can grow up in a house where you, both your parents were alcoholics. So you are more ex- likely to become an alcoholic right. because you grew up in a home with alcoholic parents. Yes. You understand what I'm saying. So, so because you saw that behavior, you grew up in a home with abusive parents. You are more likely to become not saying that that will be the reason that you are alcoholic or that you are abusive. But when you are exposed to something more often, that's something. Hold on, you I are, think it's wordplay, though. I don't think it's wordplay. I, I, Go ahead. I, Go ahead, Lola. Let me hear I don't think it's wordplay. And it takes me back to what I said in the beginning about it being a learned behavior. Right. If you look at a child that you gave your example, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at a child, we all know that we were born in sin. So that sin is there. So from the moment you were born, there were things in the world that would try to attach itself to you because you were born in sin. However, who you were around, what you seen, what you heard, like you said, uncles, cousins, brothers, that's something that you see. Or you heard. So that's something you had to either agree with or not agree with and decide to learn and pursue. If if you decided in that moment, I don't want to learn more about this, I don't want to experience more of this, or I do, that's still something that someone planted and you decided to learn more about it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If, like you said, you know, we, we've all been around older cousins or older friends, right? You're mainly around those people because those are people you can learn from, you can watch from, you can grow and develop with. And in in your learning stage, that's when you pick up different attributes. Like I I absolutely agree that you have to you have to say, okay, either I'm gonna agree or I'm not gonna agree, either I'm gonna do this or I'm not gonna do this. But it's still a learned behavior because you can't do anything that you don't know about. I agree, Lola. Now, the only thing I say about that, it, it's kind of in the way it's kind of wordplay. B said uh, proclivity, right? And I think I think when we say generational curses, you're not. I'm not okay, looking okay. at something that can't be okay. Broken, okay, so right? so in in the Exodus thirty four and seven, okay, it says the the sins of the father. So I'm a, so it says the sins of the father visit the children, children, children up to four generations. So that means that. Generational curse, when I look at a generational curse, is something that somebody before you did that affects everybody else down the line. I don't think it was somebody in our family that was super promiscuous and then it just was like, 
all your kids and they kids kids is gonna be promiscuous. Well, it was most kind of, of them hang together though. But yeah. It's so that's a learned behavior. So it becomes so I'm gonna give you this scripture real quick. Cause I, I picked this one up and Shonda might have it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna use it before Shonda use it. <laughs> but it's uh <laughs> but it's from Jeremiah 31, uh 27 through 30, and this is out of the NIV. It says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will plant the kingdoms of Israel and Judah with the offsprings of people of animals, just as I watched over them to uproot and tear down and to overthrow, destroy, bring disaster. So I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. In those days, people will no longer say the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Instead, everyone will die for their own sin. Whoever eats sour grapes their own teeth will be set on edge. So that was Jeremiah who was talking about the coming of Christ, meaning that there will no longer be generational curses where your parents ate sour grapes and now the kids got rotten teeth. You know, so if I did something bad, like, so right now to me, if I went out, Bernie Madoff, Bernie Madoff was robbing these people blind, stealing money, um, doing that Ponzi scheme. What ended up happening? His whole family, their empire, all got destroyed. Kids had to go broke. The one son, I think, caught cancer. He didn't catch cancer because of that. He died. The other son committed suicide because he couldn't deal with the pressure. The decisions of the father affected the kids in that way, where it's almost like he put a curse on his house because of a decision he made. And the kids and grandkids deal with the consequences of you being the grandson or the child of Bernie Madoff. But those, but the choices that we make when it comes to sin are the choices that we make. All right, so what about this thing? Somebody's adopted. They okay. never meet their biological parents. Okay. And then they move, uh, years later they find their parents. They're wondering why they had these behaviors and these certain things that, that not in a way plague them, right? Because when, we, when I'm saying generational curses, we all know that these things can be broken. Anything is possible with God. Absolutely. Right? But the things need to be identified. So you got an, an individual who's never met their biological parents. They finally meet a biological parent, and then they're wondering why they have the similar characteristics, although they never met this person, exact same characteristics that they had. But that is, now, that's, that's, considered, but that's considered like psychology, though. Because we're, you're still from that spiritually, you're from that person's loins. You understand what I'm saying? I'm I'm not talking to I me. Mean, it's kind of the same thing. Well, go ahead, Shonda. We, we you you look like you've had a lot to say. We've been going back. No, and forth. it's okay. I was thinking about um, when Stefan was talking, mm -hmm. and we were talking about things that are passed down, like um, uh, the, the prince and you know the princesses or the you know the queen and mm -hmm. all that stuff is passed down. But when you look at Prince Harry. You know, he decided, I don't want this anymore. You know, that breaks, you know, that one. He chose to abdicate to have a different life. You know, so it didn't matter. You know, that's I think that's the whole point all of us are making in different ways. You know, there are some things that you get from your parents. Mm -hmm. You know, like your, your eyes. You know, you have your dad's face. You know what I mean? And so do you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there are some things like that that you get. Other things you learn, you know, and at some point you're taught that this thing is okay or that this is acceptable, and we adopt that. But the sins of the uh, father that were visited upon the children, 
really dealt with the rebellion against God. And then you notice those children had the same rebellion. You know, it didn't, they chose, you know, to continue that rebellion against God. You will never, ever have a curse that continues without a choice being made to accept it. You know, like you have to accept this thing as your reality, and then you continue it and you pass it on to your children. Just like you pass down the word of God, you can pass down anything. At some point, though, you you become responsible for your actions. Now we cook it with grease. That's what I'm talking about. That was my whole point. My whole point, I think we were getting mixed up in the words. And when, when when we say generational curse, I was just going based off of the, the actual term that we said when we started the show when Lolo came over, right? Right. Because generational curses is a is a more common term when somebody identifies with a struggle within a lineage. Right. But I think generational curses is a term that is developed, you know, in the church that releases people of accountability for their actions. And then it, it prevents you from having or it it gives you permission to not have difficult conversations, you know, with people like, hey, you need to get yourself together. You know, I, it doesn't matter to me where yeah. it came from. Not 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 when somebody's trying to promote breaking the generational curse, which means, like you just said, changing the course of but, where a previous family well, kind of went. In well, in well, well, hold on, love. But one thing I do agree with Shonda is that there are thing terms, things that we universally accept in church, and it's like, well, why do we universally accept it? Is it just because we've heard? You can hear something over and over again to the point that you start to believe it. Mm-hmm. And I think there are terms and traditions and things that we do within the church that we've done it for so long that we just think, well, that's how it should be. That's how it is. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Where a generation is coming up and is asking questions that were never asked before that are saying like, and I've used this example on several previous shows. You will, you will denigrate somebody for using recreational marijuana, but using opioids is just as bad, if not worse than using recreational marijuana. That's and we right. don't condemn people. Why? Because a doctor wrote a prescription for it. Facts. So so that's what I but low I was gonna go to what I what I also wanted to say is um what made me pick this topic was because my pastor was talking about it. He'd been talking about it. Here for we the go. Past <laughs> Somebody send me the name of a church home I can go to after this. <laughs> you know what? Right. No, listen. no, no. But listen, no, listen. We, we, we're honest. And, and if there are things we don't agree with with our pastor, I mean, it's, like we, it's not like we don't go to him and have these discussions right. anyway. But the thing is, I actually agree with what he was saying. And the reason why I say that is because um, – he had gave one example about how you have a child, right? And the child could be bad, okay? And then people would go to the child and say, you just like your mama or you just like your daddy. Those are also spoken things that we speak over people and they just pick up those characteristics. And so I think to piggyback on what we all were saying, that's also a way that it, it may not be something that is a learned behavior or it may not be something that you were necessarily born with, but it, it could be something that people have been telling you. So then you just start walking into that, you know, with without even realizing that it's being done. All right. No, I agree with that. But I, I want to say more than an innate thing, right? So. Me and my brother, who are in the studio right now, are the perfect subjects for this. Why? Because we grew up in two different households. 
but we have a lot of the same characteristics. So I'm growing <laughs> up younger, right? Young dude. I, you know, I, I probably never seen a set before. Y'all know what I mean when I say a set. Gotcha. My brother pulls me in a room when I'm a young dude. Pulls me in the room, lifts up his mattress. It's that magazine. <laughs> I ain't never ever seen this. It said Pamela Anderson on it. <laughs> he showed me this. Don't tell nobody. He saying, That's not the window. Hey, look, okay. look, 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 look. This is young. We young, 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 right? We have the views expressed on this show. Is not the- <laughs> <laughs> hey, look. We have a lot of the same. We have a lot of the same characteristics. Mm-hmm. From a young age, still not being in the same household, I can identify my brother anywhere. We have a lot of the same issues, a lot of the same struggles, right? That goes to show it's got to be something that is within our loins, that is generational, that we have to say, you know what? This stops here within our family. You can break that. Now, when we're young, it's a small, it's a sentence. Oh man, I got. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. Some things other people struggle with. I've never struggled with. When it came to anger, I really didn't struggle with that. That wasn't something I struggled with. I struggled probably with not speaking up as much. I struggled definitely when it came to you know women and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that was a struggle for me. But then as I got older, I began to see if I don't take a hold of what the issue is now, then I take that. I put it that into my kids, right? I think we talked about it at a previous show in a relationship thing. We said, um, whatever you don't heal in your singleness spreads like a disease in your togetherness. So whatever you don't heal and being a single parent or uh, uh, being a non-parent spreads like a disease in your kids also, right? It's, it's kind of the same recipe in that regard. We have to break those areas that we identify that have been a struggle. We talked about the food thing, right? Mm-hmm. And we said, I think Lolo had kind of put this uh, when she – created this topic she said it like somebody has an issue with um high blood pressure diabetes something like that right mm-hmm. um we can date that in saying uh, a generational diet right has a generational diet been an issue because whatever the condition of the parent is at the time when they have the baby that can be an onset of whatever the, the child is going to deal with right correct so the diet of the parent they they even had studies to where um Athletes have babies. The baby comes out athletic. Well, well, I mean, but that, but that becomes a. Right. a, no, a I'm not a, saying like no, 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 but no, no, but but that becomes a. But that becomes like a sociological or psychological type, because that was like your mom was a track star, your dad was a basketball player. Right. You you're gonna you grow up make in, a kid running for three dollars. No, no, but I'm saying you're gonna grow up in a home where you can be. Right more athletic where you're going to be exposed to sports. You might be doing things like Michael Jordan kids ain't going to be Michael Jordan, but that don't mean that they can't be good basketball players. Actually, I think his son kind of flamed out. Right because in college, of the pressure of being Michael of Jordan, being Michael Jordan's son. You're so talking about Magic Johnson, you said flamed out. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought she took a vote. Burned out. Oh, I thought you mean you can't take no nap. No, my goodness, this guy. Oh no, bro, you was on a no another planet right there. Hold on, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, no. And we're back. And we're back. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the show's producer, the show's host, 
or, or the <laughs> okay hey, that's, that right hey, that's at the top of the show right yeah no like, but um i ain't mean it that way though i you know what i'm saying no no i, I yeah. yeah i get what you said but no like i mean lebron james son is playing right now and, right. and he's becoming well known and things like that you've had baseball players barry bonds dad bobby bonds played pro baseball barry bonds was better than his dad but he grew up in the clubhouse he grew up right in that environment so it pushed him and he was able to learn and it's like oh i can be just as good if not better right. because you learn from you know uh um lavar ball he yeah. said he married his wife he wanted his wife to be a certain height all this other stuff because he wanted his kid like all his sons are six five or taller right. two of them like one of them six nine he got two of his sons into the NBA. Right. I mean, you understand? And that was through training. And he didn't play pro basketball. He didn't right. play. I think he got a cup of coffee for pro football or stuff like that. So yeah. those are the type of things that that I think about. Um, but when you when you talk about not growing up in the same house and things like that, but I think there are those are things that can be trained. I think those are things that can be learned. And like you said, you're going to have characteristics of the people because there's a spiritual connection between you and your mom or you and your dad because, right. because of the blood and the blood having a spiritual connection. So even if you didn't grow up in the house, you know, like you would see a movie and, and they always show the, the person who ain't never seen their kid for 20 years mm -hmm. and then want to do a move and then the kid to do, do the, the same, same move. move. And yep. you'd be like, oh, my God goodness you right. understand you yeah. know what i'm talking about lauren so right. you 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 have those type of things but i just think what back to what shonda said was that a lot of times to me the generational curse term is used to abdicate accountability for some people because it just becomes well that's just how we are and that's how we were taught well i mean you can't do nothing about that that's just that's right. just how we are and and it's like you know, you're going to be that way. You know, I mean, we freaks and all that other stuff. You know, we French last name and all that other <laughs> stuff. I mean, we used to hear all of that. So you start to accept it and believe it. And that's where that spoken word in New Testament. James says what power of life and death is in the tongue. So when you are reinforcing to somebody like Lauren said, or you just like your mama, you just like your daddy. You know what I'm saying? Like, say if somebody that you know is a, is a liar. And they kid tell a little lie. You be like, oh, yeah, there it yep. go. There it go. Just That's how it started with your mama. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You're going to be just like her when you grow up. And, 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 and then that becomes a part of that that whole situation. And, how you know, I, I didn't, I mean, like I said, like because there, there, there are things that we see about our parents that we don't like and right. say, I'm not going to be that way. I'm pretty sure we can all name one or two things that we did to, overcompensate for the things we didn't like our parents do, or we undercompensate because we don't want to be like our parents in those areas. Our dad is a procrastinator. Mm -hmm. So we try to do things not to procrastinate. Right. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? I'm yeah. pretty sure Lauren can name some things about her parents and she'd be like, uh-uh, that ain't <laughs> like, me. I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> testify. Go ahead, Lauren. Testify. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Testify. Go ahead, testify, Lord. Go ahead. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? So there are things that that we we have that we will have to um, deal with. So I, I just believe that the term should be more generational sin than generational curses, right. because or an unhealthy pathology. Or or you know I, mean? I like that even They're better. Be I like that one. <laughs> you gotta you break that with Dawson. We do. I like that one. There there are some things that we 
we call generational um, curses that are just not. And I think just like we have to be careful what we say to our children and how we speak over them, we have to be the same way when it comes to the things that we hear from the church. Okay, because we can pass those things down, and because it's the church, people take it as law, and you keep that thing going, and that becomes a generational curse. You know what I mean? Or a Uh-oh, set of traditions. Want to hear that. You know, you, you create a set of traditions that's incorrect and pass it down. That also has to be broken by those of us who've been in the church a long time. Okay, so there are some things like an unhealthy pathology, poor health, poverty, illiteracy, sexual violence. Those are things that can exist within a family, not because it's a curse, but it's been taught. You've seen it happen, and you think it's okay. Oh, so this is how I'm supposed to treat women. Oh, this is how I'm supposed to treat men. Oh, okay, well, mama ate like this, so I'm going to eat like this. You've never been introduced you know, to carrots and vegetables. All you've ever had was meat and pork and bread. So you develop, you know, and create that habit. Now you have the same symptoms they had. Is it generational? Yeah, but why? Because this is how we ate in that house in this particular setting at that time. Pathology, not a curse. So I think we need to be careful of the terminology that we use because people will accept it because of who said it. Absolutely. And and back to... Use an example of our family. We have um, our grandparents had 11 bro- uh, children, eight boys. 12. Oh, yeah, I'm Actually, sorry. Actually, 13. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 Lauren, no, no, but they. But we have one uncle who in his 30s made a decision to be healthy, run, exercise, take care of himself. He's in his early 60s now. He's the healthiest member of our family. He's the only one who's not on high blood pressure, meds, and, and all the other. You understand mm-hmm. why? Because he said, I am not going to be like that. I have made the decision with myself. A couple years ago, I went to the doctor. They told me I was pre-diabetic. I said, bite your tongue. Right, right. And, and after that, I decided to change my diet. I've changed my lifestyle. I work out. I run. Everything. Why? Because I am not going to accept that I will be type 2 diabetic, which becomes a choice. Right. Because you that's a lifestyle to become type 2 diabetic and things like that. So those are things where I could have just been like, man, I'm going to be type 2 diabetic and Oh, well, uh, let me go on and get me some more uh, candy and some carbs and some right. sugar and, and get this uh, insulin number way up where I now I'm poking myself and right. things like that. So those are things that we have to understand. So that's why I think the term pathology or like Shonda said, becomes more of the norm um, that we have to start to look at because we know the church could give us information and we just accept it because it's coming from the pastor it's coming from the church it's coming from the building. So, but Lauren, you were talking about earlier. Um, so go back into what you said with the pastor had said, talking about parents talking to the kids and that was the part you agree with. So that is, that was the basis of you thinking about this topic. Well, yes, because I feel like we have heard generational curses forever and you hear about generational curses, but nobody has ever, I've never heard nobody ever talk about what they really are. Like you just hear the term yeah. or oh, generational curse generation, but it's like, well, what when you, cause you think of it like, well, what is our generational curse? Right. And, and how do you, how do you really say, okay, is this a generational curse or is this something I learned? 
Is this something I saw? And I think that when people really sit down and think about that, then they will be able to chew things better and they will kind of understand why they are the way that they are. Instead of just saying, oh, this is a generational curse, like y'all said. Oh, it's been in my family for years and years and years. And, you know, this is just how we are. Right. But why? Where did it come from? And, I, and I'll be honest with you, because we're in America, we look at everything from the lens of a Western civilization, a Western church, where, like Shonda said, there are things that are socioeconomical that control the way people look at certain things. So even here... We talk about prosperity gospels. Right. Go to Africa where the majority of these people are starving. Go to India where the majority of these people are starving and start talking about prosperity gospel. Mm -hmm. These people are going to look at you. <laughs> Go ahead, Shonda. Say what they will beat you up. Like, right. like we got devils over here, like spirits that be coming in the middle of the night mm -hmm. tormenting our kids. And you talking about a, a, a money line. No, brother, you better come here with some power. And, and right. be casting out some devils. Mm -hmm. So we that that that's one of the things that I like that Shonda brought up was we have to look at why it is the way it is. If you can get a double, you know, if you can get the four, what's the, the four for four for? Right, for four dollars. For four dollars. But the salad is ten dollars. <laughs> right. But what if you only have five dollars? So that affects your choice. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I okay, maybe I want a salad, but I can't get it. And if you have to feed another person, the four for four can feed two people. Exactly. Where if I want the salad and he want the Happy Meal, that's what? $17. Right. Mm -hmm. And we only got five. So right. we're going to get this four for four. And you're going to shut up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And that's we pass that on. You reproduce after your kind. So how you do things, your children will probably do things. And if you're in a position where you just can't do better, until that child gets to a position where they can do better, your pattern is their pattern. You know, and hopefully, you know, when they get to a good age, they can make a different decision. You know, like for me, I was diabetic. You know, well, I still am. My A1C is just at a really good place. But when I found out, I had no clue. Went to the doctor. My blood sugar was 425. Wow. We didn't have a history of that in my family. You know, my mother didn't have it. You know, my dad didn't have it. Where did it come from? I, I guess I ate my way to it. but And I had to eat my way out of it. You know, it's it's the choice. You have to do it differently to go from an A1C of 11 to one that's 6.1. Listen, you have to make different decisions. You know, now there are a few people in my family who are diabetic. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so look, you just started the trend. You, know what I mean? you just started the generational curse. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, listen, this is what you do to stop. You know, that's my job now to say, look, this is what you do to change that. You know, you don't have to be insulin dependent. And that's what we don't do. We don't get out and then show people how to get out. We get out and now we are ashamed of what we had to go through. And that keeps us from helping other people get out. Now, to me, that's, that's the key. That's the key. Why? And I'll, I'll go around the, the table. I'll start with you, Lo. Why do you think it is that when we get the key to what helped us defeat this thing, we don't go back and save folks? Fear. Sometimes people be embarrassed. Sometimes, like my mom used to tell me all the time, if something happens or something is said and it still bothers you or you can't talk about it, then that thing still has a hold on you. 
So you're you're not even in a, a free place yourself to talk about it with somebody else. No way. It's not happening. Okay. What what about you, Rabbi? I think, you know, shame, fear, and guilt. That's that the them reason, <laughs> Yeah. I think the reasons why people don't do it fits in one of those categories. You know, either they are ashamed of what they did to get in the situation or to get out. I think some people have guilt, you know, that one of the most difficult emotions for people to experience is joy. You know, people feel guilty about being joyous because I can I don't want to talk to you about my child because you've lost a child. Or I don't want to talk to you about my promotion because you're still struggling. So joy is one of the uh, one of those emotions that's hard for people to experience. So people feel guilty. You know what I mean? And then of course there's the fear, you know. If I tell people the truth about me, are they still going to love me? Are they still going to care? If I tell them what I really had to do, are they going to allow me to stay in the group? You know, I've just gotten to a point where I don't care. You know, shame is I'm bad. Guilt is I did something bad. You know what I mean? You have to be willing to sacrifice your own feelings to help somebody else get out. Vulnerability, transparency. You want to follow that one up, Steph? What was the question? Again? <laughs> oh, I know you're not over there asleep. No, I'm not, I was actually writing some stuff that I stopped and started listening because I always got to drop the pen, you know, when, when you we over there. Look, I got one shot. today. Yeah, <laughs> no, the question was, why is it that when people get the key uh-huh. that helped them to overcome a, a pathology or a generational sin or curse or whatever term that we're using, why is it that they don't come back then to give the other people uh, the key to well, help some, them to get you know, out? Sometimes they do, but people refute the idea that generational curses exist. No, no, no. So a lot of times people don't want to listen. And the truth is you got to be in that space in order to be receptive, to hear what somebody has to say. Shonda's right in that regard that, uh, you know, um, when you express something to somebody and they're not in that correct, you know, position or the space, they don't want to talk to somebody about something joyous because then the other person like, man, you arrogant, you this, you that. You might be happy really trying to express something and nobody wants to hear that. Everybody wants to be heard, but nobody wants to listen to somebody else saying something good, especially when they're in the bad space. So a lot of people aren't receptive. So they'll say, you never told me that. Yes, I did. You just weren't in a place to receive it. But I've been telling you this this whole time. That you could have did this, you could have did that. So people aren't in the space to really listen. And so some people don't even open up their mouths to say anything to help people out. If you're promoting Christ, some people don't want to listen to that. You know, like we, we, you know, if somebody's really in a good space with God, people knock them down on that. I already been down that road. Trust me, that's short lived. How are you, how are you talking about somebody in their relationship with God and they're in a great space? I've been in those places when I've been in great spaces and I've been in those places where it was like, I'm not in such a good good space, but I still acknowledge when somebody's in that good place because it's like, man, that's great. People don't want to listen. So, I mean, I think that's one of the issues. Got you. Well, I mean, I, I believe that a lot of times what it is is people want honesty. They say they want honesty. Right. But they don't really want honesty because it's no, it's no you know, people ask me, well, what did you do to change your diet to get healthy? And when I tell them, no, that's it that's it or no you did something else what well, you didn't took a is there there is no magic pill right mm-hmm. everything takes work and if you want to overcome 
the things within your family. Like you brought up Prince Harry, who saw what happened to his mom. Right. And said, I'm not going to let this happen to my wife. Right. The buck stops with me. So you have to be the one that puts a foot down that says, I see what's happening and it's not going to happen within my family. So my thing is, is a lot of times we say to do as I say, not as I do. That's a lot of um, Gen, Gen X, not Gen Xers, um, a lot of baby boomers raised their kids was do as I say, not as I do, which isn't good. What it is, is I think that we should be honest. One, it starts with if you have kids, be honest with them. The things you've struggled with, the things that they may struggle with and help them through it to say, look, these are the things that I've struggled with in my life that and I'm going to tell you this so you don't have to struggle with these things. Be honest with them. I've had my son who's 21. I've had honest conversations with him like my son will tell you we have very, very honest conversations. I've never been afraid. You know, when it was time to talk about sex, I did not wait till my son was 16 years old to talk about sex. We started talking about sex as young as about five years old. And and the conversation was that appropriate of a five year old. Then when I know he would be at an age where masturbation may be taking place, right. we started to have a conversation about that. Then when right. it got to the age where maybe him having sex was going to start to take place, we had a conversation about that. So it was never anything that he wasn't going to have information about, right. but I didn't make it unhealthy to be like, look, son, um, just so you know, you're going to be out here trying to get it. Cause that's how we do in this family. So just be careful. Here's right. some rubbers. Good luck. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Cause that's pretty much how it was told to us, Steffi, you know, I'm telling the truth. That's a fact, but you see, you <laughs> broke the cycle. Though. Yeah. Be, right, because right. I made a decision that one, I'm not going to, you know, if my son goes out and do it, it's be, if, it's going to be because he wants to do it. It's not right. going to be because this is a proclivity that's within our family. And you've right. just joined the, the, because the same way I'm going to do deal with him. I plan, I, I have, I am doing and have done with my daughter. Right. And I know a lot of times people are like, well, you right. You're you going to do that with your daughter. No, I need to have the same conversations because I need it to be as healthy for her as it is for him. And I want us to be able to have honest conversations. I tell my kids all the time, just tell me, even if you don't think I want to hear, even if you think I'm going to get mad, just let me know. Those are the things that can then break the cycle. And I think we just have to learn to be honest with one another. You you, uh, you get yep, what I'm saying? Definitely. So do anybody else want to have anything before we uh, start getting the closing statements? Well, one thing. Okay, go There ahead. are some things that are generational. Uh-oh, she, she, she got it. Go ahead. There are some things that are generational, and we've seen them our whole lives. Okay, racism. Sexism, classism, and poverty. Those are generational curses. Wow. Wow. That's facts. She just hit us. She just hit us with that with that. No, no, but that that's the truth. And those are things that we need to have. So the isms. Right. Yes. The isms and the Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And and like I said when I began the show with Adam and Eve, we are still when we're born in sin and shaping and iniquity are still because of what Adam and Eve did. Now we know Jesus came and he came to redeem and whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But the, 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 the birth birthing pains and all that other stuff that is still <laughs> from, <laughs> you know, we was having, if, I just say this, if y'all get to hear what we talk about before we cut the mics on, Y'all be like, y'all sure y'all say? Y'all right, sure y'all right. sure, sure yes. say? Yes. <laughs> Good and. But um, so, so 
<laughs> so we gonna go ahead and uh, wrap it up. So low, I'm gonna go ahead and let you uh, finish start us off with the closing statements. I want to read a scripture from James four and seven, and it says, "So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts." For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Um, what I want to say is that whatever decision you make, and I, I, I'm sure I've said this before, but whatever decision you make, good or bad, whatever consequence that comes with the decision that you make, good or bad, make sure that it is a decision that you have at least talked to God and discussed with God first. There are several things that will try to come against you. There are several things that you will experience. There are, there are several things that you have seen in your life. I have seen a bunch of things in my life. But when you decide to be different, when you decide to be led not by the people around you, not by your circumstances, not by your situations, but when you decide to be led by God, you will not be the same. You will not continue down the same path, and you will make a change. So just in everything that you do, acknowledge God, let him lead you, and you will not go wrong. Amen. Thank you for that, Lolo. Shonda? All right. I have to write my closing remarks like Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> this inability to envision a better future for oneself or the belief that your future is at the mercy of this guilt that we've grandfathered in leads to feelings of hopelessness, stagnancy, and depression, all of which decrease the likelihood that you'll do anything to change your circumstances. And when those circumstances don't change, we point to the curse as the cause while unknowingly reinforcing the problematic behavior for generations to come. So if there is a curse... It's the one we cast every time we deny our ability to change the trajectory of our own lives. Mic drop. Amen to that. Amen to that. <laughs> that was a good word right there, Shonda. Go All ahead, right. Steph. All right. Uh, generational curses or generational consequences. You can choose your term. Uh, God always has a plan for freedom. Um, there's redemption in Christ Jesus. So identify the struggles of your family and within yourself and open up those areas and surrender those areas to allow Christ to come into your life to perfect you. Um, even in the areas that you don't even know that may be a struggle that God is trying to um, heal you from, pray like any areas that are hidden, any areas deep down that you don't even know of, areas that may be... Um, um, areas like we had talked about, uh, slippery slopes and things like that. Um, open up those areas and allow Christ to come in to perfect you so you can, um, you know, be reshaped. So trust God. That's amen. It. Amen. Well, I want to thank you all for your closing statements. Um, I am going to read a scripture in my closing statement, which I rarely do, but um, Romans 10, uh, 12 through 13 says, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
So I look at it as an individual fight that we have to understand that we're fighting. We cannot choose the family that we were born in. We cannot choose the family that we have, but we can choose the decisions that will determine whether we get to be in the kingdom with the father. So we have to begin to make decisions that says the buck stops here. There is no more excuses for I did this because of that, or I accepted this, or I accepted that. Every man eventually has to stand, as my dad say, every tub has to stand on its own bottom. And eventually we all have to be in the throne of judgment for ourselves. We can't say, Father, well, my mother was this way and my dad was that way, so that's why I did this and that's why I did that. And he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I know you not. So so we can hear the words, job well done, my good and faithful servant. It's time to begin to walk in the individual and understanding and having a relationship with Christ first and foremost. So with that being said, I just want to thank you all for listening to another episode of Road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. Until next time, thank you and God bless.